Welcome to FIO on the Air, the voice of the festivals and events industry in Ontario. Please welcome our CEO and your host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome to FIO on the Air. Today we're doing part two of our masterclass in Hamilton on Safety First. Uh, the masterclass take place October 10th in Hamilton and we've got Kevin Jones on the line. Kevin's the president and CEO of Odyssey Medical. Kevin, welcome. Thank you very much. For those that uh, haven't heard of Odyssey Medical or haven't worked with you guys in the past, here's uh, an opportunity to showcase your your company, what you guys do and what you specialize in. Odyssey Medical provides uh, multidisciplinary medical services specifically for the events. Uh, When we look at the medical services, medical services very often will bleed into safety services and risk management. Our goal is to put the right type of staff at an event based on risk profile, event complexity, time, place, attendee, to make sure that we've got the right combination of teams. We work on a national level, so from coast to coast, and we'll work with uh, event organizers that uh, are putting on a small soccer tournament all the way up to our, you know large music, live music festivals, and everything in between. We want to look at providing risk-matched care the idea that we want to look at your and understand your risk, the risk portfolio for your event, and make sure that we're providing the most comprehensive level of coverage. Not every event is built the same way, and they all need to be looked through a unique lens. And Kevin, does Odyssey Medical, is it an all-in-one service, or are you partnering with uh, local EMS in the areas, or are, does your team just come in and do everything? I, the the important is that we are working in collaboration with all the public safety officials in any individual market for which we work in. The understanding of what the local EMS expectations are for working in a regional uh, remote municipality. The goal of Odyssey is to make sure that we're not impacting the local community. We bring a large number of people into events that come into an event space for a temporary period. They're temporary citizens of that community. They deserve and need service uh, in, the, in the conditions of their medical crisis. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we are safeguarding the community uh, against that influx. And that influx can have impact on the local health services. So working in collaboration with any community group, the public safety agencies and also the healthcare system to make sure that we're providing the best care to festival and event attendees in some areas that's more complex because there are limited public safety resources and in other situations there's large volumes but they are also serving a large volume I guess it's going to be a citizen's volume of calls for service in the medical uh, instances so we want to make sure that we're providing the best service in collaboration with all those organizations and it is truly a collaboration because at times for events you need a large volume of people to help uh, at a specific event and at other times the volume isn't significant but the potential uh, conditions are significant so we want to make sure that there's the right matched care. And do you partner with uh, festivals like for example a new festival that's starting up that they think they may be risk adverse to uh, uh, EMS that they don't have a a, a lot of need for on-site medical. But when you gather large groups of people, there's always a need, whether it's a trip and fall or it's a heart attack or, or whatever. So do you walk people through and try to identify and mitigate risk with them? Absolutely. And I think the opportunity to partner with organizations like CEO is really about educating. It's about showcasing the opportunity that 
different events. It has to be a rich mask, a risk match care profile. If you're anticipating a large volume of people at a certain age bracket that are going to be at a certain type of event, we want to be able to look at that and better understand what the best service model is. Sometimes two people with first aid and an AEV are, is very appropriate. Other times it needs to be a much more complicated, complex and robust system. So I find myself more often than not in the festival season doing a lot of educating, trying to educate uh, clients, potential partners as to what the best model looks like. And the best model isn't always the most expensive model because sometimes it's going to be integrated care that matches the activity and also matches the anticipated volume. We all work in the event environment with the unexpected conditions that exist from weather to participant behavior to uh, intent. Why are people at this event? Somebody at, a, at an event, a spontaneous pop-up event, like a parade or a celebration may be there with a very different intent from somebody who has purchased and paid for a ticket and wants to be there to watch a show. So there's lots of, um, lots of times where we're looking at the, the education of our client base and also a better understanding of who their client base is so that we can provide them with the best model. And do you have tools available that, uh, that maybe tell you, you know, you've got a thousand people at your event, you should have X number of first aid trained and, you know, you've, are are there policies or, or tools that tell you that, or that can easily help to calculate the need? If I had a magic wand in the event industry, I would have that tool that was universally accepted. Unfortunately, as an industry in Ontario, uh, we haven't come to an absolute guide. We've got some best practices. We've looked at different tools and we've proved, we've through research and, and experience, we've proven positive certain things that we understand. But at the same token, there's so many variables to an event that it's hard to say if you have 10,000 people coming and this is the activity and this is the anticipated weather, this is what you're going to see. Uh, we've been, we've been proven, we, that's proven very right. And it's also been proven very uh, challenging to substantiate that that actually was the right number. So we pride ourselves on taking an in-depth risk management approach to deciding what the staffing level is. And sometimes we get it absolutely right. And other times we find ourselves being proven, uh, not proven wrong, because at the end of the day, we can't control the participant's behavior. So there are some guides out there, and we'll be talking about those in the class. Uh, we'll also be looking at why they work and why they don't work. Um, and I think what it, the, the best thing that we can suggest is that individual clients maintain and have data about their event that can support either why they did something or why they didn't do something. And I think that's a solid risk management tool. The proper hazard identification risk process will help to identify what the number is. Um, in many cases, as it is with the event industry, is it's never you never have enough when you absolutely need them all. And that's a hard thing to predict for because budgets, budgets are a reality, space is a restriction, um, ability to recruit staff and people to do the type of work that we need to do events. There's limits to what people can do. And I notice in your profile, you have an insurance background as well. And and medical and risk management, it's kind of like insurance, right? You think about everything that can go wrong. You hope that you're covered. And then at the end of it, you, you kind of look back and you think, oh, did I really need it? You hope to never use it, but you hope you've got exactly what you need when you need it. 
Absolutely. And you nailed, you nailed the sales paradigm and challenge on its head is we will go three to four years with an event profile and we'll put a, a service level in and it won't be activated or used in the, in the anticipated volume. And then clients will look at us and say, do we really need all of that? And then all of a sudden they, you know, they make a strategic decision for either a reduction or a change in the service model. And then that's the year that it seems where that gets put completely aside the model that we that we broke the model in the year when there was a reduction in service and that's not to sell on fear that's just to have a realistic conversation i think that's you know we have to talk about murphy's law and in the minute that you do the reduction or don't bring that item to the event is the day that you're going to need it and at some level we were looking we want to look and make sure that we're maintaining baseline service and as best we can look at trends over time is if this event has a five-year history and we've got five years worth of data, there might be a year where there was an anomaly and that anomaly may be justified by things like weather, ground condition, temperatures. It could be something unexpected if it was unfortunately an act of intentional violence. You can look at the reasons why and then try to establish what your baseline is. We find it takes us three good years to understand if we've got the model built correctly and we hope through relationships and sharing of information and transparency that our clients and the festivals and events that we work with will give us that time period to better understand it. And at the end of the day, our clients succeed. We succeed when our clients succeed. So what's for us to overbuild a model that has um, is overburdening them financially isn't going to help make them successful. So we always want to balance the budget reality as well as the risk paradigm. And you never know how good it is until you actually have to call on it. And you never know how good it is until you trust the relationship with your broker <laughs> and understand that they're, they're, work, they're working for you and working on your behalf. And every company that stays in this business at some point, if you haven't had a claim, you will have one. So just prepare for the day that you're going to have one by having proper investigative procedures, documentation, follow-up procedures, all of those things that we're going to discuss in the class are key to getting yourself ready for the day when, when the case or the litigation is upon you, you at least can go in there better prepared with some tools to understand how to one put yourself in the best defensible position, right? Because things will happen when you put people on the ground in temporary settings, something's going to happen, anything from a twisted ankle to a cardiac arrest. It is, it's a potential. And the more often you do it, obviously, uh, actuarially, the more chances you will have of something happening that has a, unfortunately might have an adverse consequence to your business. We're talking to Kevin Jones from Odyssey Medical. When we come back, we're going to talk more specifically about the Masterclass in Hamilton on October 10th. More in just a minute on Feel on the Air. Festivals and Events Ontario supports a lively, engaged, and dedicated festival and events industry. Purchase your Festivals and Events Ontario membership today and get a team of people working to help you succeed. Here's just a few benefits that membership provides. Promotion, saving money, networking, industry awards, supplier discounts, communications, skills development, and so much more. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. The voice of festivals and events in Ontario. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Welcome back to FIO on the Air. Kevin Jones from Odyssey Medical joins us. We're talking uh, about our masterclass, uh, Safety First in Hamilton, on October 19th, or October 10th, sorry, October 10th in Hamilton, Safety First. Uh, Kevin, can you go into a little bit about what you hope to achieve? We talked to Janet Celery uh, about her um, health and safety programs, and she'll take one part of the day, 
and you and your Odyssey medical team are taking the other part of the day. What are some of the outcomes you hope that participants can take away from that? I, I hope that everyone comes away in contact with a better understanding of the safety implications and the expectations of the event industry. As we know, the event industry is in some ways unregulated, although there are patchy regulations that we respond to in different municipalities. So one, uh, from an administrative perspective, I would love folks to understand exactly what's expected of them in the community as it relates to safety, safety planning and expectations. Not only medical, but if you're looking at medical, you might be considering fire regulations. You also might be considering traffic management and crowd management. Um, understanding the understanding the attendees, the people profile, who are the people coming to your event, what are they expected to do, and then what we can show from experience is the different types of crowds and different types of crowd profiles can lead to certain injury trends. And then if you understand injury trends, then you can understand how to build a response program around that that will mitigate, minimize, and support the attendees at your event. Uh, and then, of course, um, logistics, equipment, and communication. Communication being the backbone of, of event safety systems is going to be a proper communication system and strategy that allows uh, the event organizers the service providers, potentially medical, potentially paid duty police, potentially paid duty fire departments, all of those systems to talk and communicate through either an event operation system or a communication strategy that will allow the event organizers to, to broadcast and work with their teams to understand what's ahead of them. And then, of course, if we go into response mode, what is going to be the, the expected and intended response from all the different agencies. When we look at interagency inter cooperation, all the agencies at the table to be able to help and support the event operations from a safety perspective is a critical piece. So from this session, I hope that uh, in those three blocks, the attendees will walk away with a better understanding, not only of their specific events, because I'd like to use specific examples for folks when they come to the class, bring their event, bring their challenges, bring their, uh, their experience so that we can look and provide some advice recommendations. And then finally is what are events, what should events be doing from a paperwork and process perspective to get ready for event. Well laid plans need to be well thought out and delivered according to local expectations, but they also have to be usable documents. So how do you what's the expectation for an event emergency action plan and how do you make sure that that's locally specific to your case and condition at the same time incorporating and encompassing best practices. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. The one thing that I've noticed working with various events is a lot of people have great uh, safety plans in place, but the communication is often not so great and and quite often your leaders or your chair people um, they know the process but quite often it's your frontline staff or volunteers that end up dealing with the situations as they arise and if those people don't know the plan and the reporting structure that causes you a lot of problems can you speak a little bit more to that absolutely essentially your frontline staff are, are they're all customer facing um, we need to arm all of our frontline staff with basic customer service information to be able to help the event flow and flow properly. If I look at the number of times the medical staff on event are actually contacted about general event questions and how we're able to minimize and mitigate stress related to wayfinding. Where's this? Where's that? How do I get this? And how do I get that? I love to see broadcast information where people understand the baseline information. Um, you know, as simple as having a, a function sheet for each position 
questions that answers the most basic information about the event so that we all can be part of the communication system. And, it, you know, on a piece of paper, you can have one side information that says, here are things that you're probably going to get asked most frequently. And on the flip side of the paper, you can have some step-by-step processes. If something happens, this is what we're going to expect you to do. If we're looking at a site evacuation, for example, our staff, our volunteers, our people working in the event are part of the evacuation system. They would be intended, they would be expected to stand up and participate in facilitating the evacuation. Have they received any training, any communication, any coaching, any stand-up conversations about that process? When in reality, if we need to activate those systems, we need to have those people have some level of preparedness. I've seen some very good pre-event communication about that type of process. I've also seen too many events where volunteers have shown up and they really, they've just been told to show up at, you know, the corner of XYZ street and hand out water with no understanding of what the larger landscape is. And with the ability for us to harness technology through online learning, video podcasts like we're doing today, how can we make that information available to more people in advance? We're also seeing a higher level of expectation of communication as it relates to events uh, to the participants. And um, so many of our events that we work with have adopted the event alert system, which is a way for us to communicate to the participants what the ground or the environmental conditions are and whether or not we're, gonna, we're seeing any enhanced reasons to show warning. Do we have to put warnings out about heat, weather, potential weather, or if there's a threat level? So I'm seeing much more, much higher level of expectation in that space. And also what we all can understand the use of social media and how that can help you in the instances of an emergency. It can also hinder you. It can also create um, a lot of unnecessary pressure on the event system if their conditions aren't being addressed properly and or communicated. Now, one thing I know uh, some of our members look for in training sessions is, you know, sometimes things are tailored towards large events. Sometimes things are tailored towards small events. And hopefully people can pull what they need out from everything. Your models in your in your website or on your website in the event world are, are broken down into three different things. Are you going to be touching on each of those areas? And I'm talking about major planned events, the core events, and then the venue coverages. Absolutely, because each each of the three categories of events, and we looked at our major planned events, and as the term is, indicates, these are planned events. So this has been pre-scripted. Usually tickets are being sold, and usually it's bound by a specific space um, it's a park, it's a field, it's a concert, a temporary concert venue. Um, that has a certain amount of intricacies because they simply don't have the pre-positioned resources. Uh, they're all brought in temporarily. And that, as you know, is a very dynamic environment. What What is planned in the map uh, in December does not always translate to what we see on the ground. And how are we responding to the ever-changing environmental conditions? So in some areas where you might be prone to smog and weather conditions, when you're in open-air environments, you have to make adjustments. For us, the core events, the routine, the small but not less risky, a 5K running race isn't more risky than a marathon. It has to do with participant profile, understanding uh, of who's participating. So somebody who's prepared for a marathon is prepared to run that distance. Someone who's prepared to run a 5K is prepared to run a 5K, but they can still be on the very same risk profile based on their preparation for that event. So for us, the core event is making sure that people have some level of baseline coverage at an event. The basics need to be there. 
you know, every event needs to have trained first aid. They need to have an automatic external defibrillator and they need to have um, access to, for the purposes of transportation or bringing in resources. Those things are a must. They must be a standard across an expectation under all the variety of legislation that's out there. You couldn't ignore the fact that you have to have that if you're inviting people to a space you're charging them money for an event. You, you have a due diligence expectation to provide that. And then the venues, the venues are the fixed facilities, the fixed facilities get very routinely used to hosting events because that's what they're designed for. So they have certain protocols and expectations that are very well-versed, they're very well-defined because the dynamic nature of events is that this is happening in the fixed facility. So the walls don't move, the seats don't move, the stage doesn't move, and that provides you with a certain amount of comfort, but it also can lead to a certain level of complacency because you're there on a routine on a routine basis. So all three of the classification of events needs to be looked at very much on an individual basis in context of the, the variables that exist in events, time, weather, space, participants. I think we've said that. So um, very much part of understanding. And I think what we'll do in the class is once we once we, we get a chance to introduce each other and understand where we're coming from, we'll be able to um, get those groups to work together because there's a, there's a similarity in context and then learn from each other. So if you're running a, a soccer tournament in a field versus somebody who has a fixed concert venue, you can learn from each other, but you can also learn from people who would do a similar thing and trying to look through the lens of what is the expectation and an absence of absolute standards or laws will be judged against our peers. So it's good to know what our peers to the left and the right and the up and the down from us are doing so that we can see how we compare and measure up. We're talking about Safety First, our master class that's taking place in Hamilton on October 10th. Kevin Jones from Odyssey Medical is our guest. Back in just a minute with Feel on the air. Become a Festivals and Events Ontario member today and join a family of more than 500 members that represent over 1,400 festivals and events in Ontario. Knowledgeable, dedicated, and passionate event organizers and volunteers who can help make your event a success. Membership fees range in price depending on the size of your festival or event. If you're a supplier of goods or services, you can also become a member and get connected with planners across the province. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. Welcome back. Feel on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. You're listening to Feel on the Air. We're talking masterclass and we're talking about our masterclass in Hamilton on October 10th and it's entitled Safety First. We've got two speakers. Uh, we've heard from Janet Celery already and we're talking to Kevin Jones, the president and CEO of Odyssey Medical, who will be our second speaker that day. Kevin, anything that we forgot or that you want to touch on uh, going into the, the one-day class? Absolutely. Thank, thank you for the question. I think one of the things I want to encourage folks to do when they're coming to the class is come with your plans and come with your questions. Um, think in context of leading up to the to the seminar. What are your what are your current plans? Bring copies if you want. Think uh, questions that you may have. I think trying to make real time and real live education when we're in person, the value is being able to incorporate uh, real life challenges. So I, I highly encourage that. 
folks to come with some questions and some ideas and some plans. And uh, let's challenge each other to think outside the box to come up with strategies. Uh, with time permitting, we hope that we'll be able to do at least a small tabletop exercise with the class. And uh, that tabletop exercise in all likelihood will be taken from material right out of the class. We might even grab onto a scenario and see that if we can do some peer-to-peer -peer solutioning on safety issues, risk management problems, uh, response protocols, in the hopes that what we do in fact create from that is uh, an interest to continue the dialogue. I think the safety dialogue um, happens uh, episodically. It happens for a short period of time, and then we don't talk about it. And then once something happens, post a significant incident, everyone wants to talk about it again. One of my professional goals is to continue the dialogue, continue the education, create a network of uh, peers that you can reach out to and say, I'm having this issue. Is anyone else struggling with this issue? Can we get together? Can we share best practices? Uh, I don't believe that safety knows knows and understands commercial boundaries. So I think we're out about sharing that information, understanding it, and and progressing our industry to a higher a higher standard and a better understanding of what's out there. And as we know, the world is constantly evolving. Uh, threats are evolving. Weather is changing. Uh, venue and expectations, and every time there's a significant event in our industry, we get saddled with more expectation and responsibilities that aren't clearly defined. So we're going to work together, hopefully continue the dialogue past the time that we're together for the master class in the hopes that we can create a resource team available to help and support each other in this industry. So hopefully we've piqued your interest. And if you want to get more information on how to sign up for the masterclass, simply go to festivaleventsontario.ca. Uh, all of the information will be available there. You can sign up right online. Uh, you can listen to the podcasts. We did one with Janet Celery on health and safety uh, and, and this one with Kevin. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with Odyssey Medical, how do they go about that? Where will they find you? They can find us on the web at odysseymedical.ca. All of our contact information is there. And then anyone that feels they want to reach out direct, uh, directly to me, my contact information is on the website. And would love to hear questions uh, questions and issues before the seminar. If people have uh, a question about content and whether this will be covered, I'd be more than happy to answer those questions directly. Kevin, we look forward to seeing you in Hamilton. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm Dave McNeil reminding you that festivals build community. Thanks for listening to Feel on the Air, the voice of festivals and events in Ontario. Festivals and Events Ontario has entered the world of podcasting with FIO on the air. Join us as we sit down and chat with the movers and shakers of the festivals and events community. The goal is to share insight, advice, planning techniques, and overall strategy with you, our FIO members. On the next podcast, would you like us to interview someone specific, cover a particular topic, answer a question? Let us know. FIO on the air wants to give you what you need to succeed. Contact us now, Dave at festivalsandeventsontario.ca.